welcome travelers of the multiverse as Fantastic Geek Chronicles What If on Disney+. Plus. We are the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the Demon Tentacle variant of Pete. Hello, Demon Tentacle Pete. I needed the little sorcerer's room. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for What If Episode 104. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart? instead of his hands, is brought to you by Christine Palmer's creme brulee. She never got any. Pete, here we are heading into the Labor Day weekend in these United States. Though we have made the decision to hold off podcasting Shang-Chi until its Disney Plus release in, uh, I guess at this point, 44 days from now. uh, That is October 18th. uh, Or sooner, could be. Um, Certainly a rosy uh box office picture um in the covid era and whatnot rosy overall for the film reviews have been quite good as well uh, i think the overall take is whatever it might be lacking in terms of you know uh the what an origin story has to do in terms of introduction exposition and whatnot that that's offset by the visuals by the the inspiring cast and so forth can't wait to bring it to you uh but again um what if matt there was a way for uh, Disney, for Marvel Studios, to double the projected amount of $60 million that it will make for Labor Day weekend, which will still set a record, but comparative to Black Widow, is down. I I, I think at the end of the... Well, first of all, you're obviously alluding to a a Disney Plus premiere access uh, release. I... I know that much was made, um, perhaps overmade, uh, by uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek saying that this was uh, an experiment. I know that, indeed, uh, Shang-Chi himself, uh, Simu Liu, had taken it, I think, a bit out of context, you know, saying Asian people are not an experiment and so forth. I think Bob Chapek was saying, we've done the Marvel split release. This is going to be the Marvel label theatrical only. I think that, you know, insofar as Black Widow was kind of a sequel and insofar as this is definitely not a sequel um, with a brand new character and brand new cast, I I get what he's saying that from a business perspective, how it's another data point. I'll also mention, Pete, Shang-Chi, obviously with not just the Asian influence, but, but, you know, a Chinese influence specifically. Um, it's a candidate to be released in the People's Republic of China. The next Marvel movie, Eternals, will not be released in China. Period. The end finito. Uh, Oscar-winning director Chloe Zhao is persona non grata there, having made some comments uh, against the Chinese government. Um, so I think, too, again, purely from a business perspective, um, and, and, you know, if you have health concerns about going to see Shang-Chi in theaters, the Disney Plus option is next month. Um, purely from a business perspective, Shang-Chi theatrical only also opens the door to the Chinese release. The next movie ain't seeing that at all. So, you know, making these, these business decisions, uh, is Bob Chapek, uh, and he's doing great, right? Everybody loves him, (laughs) but that's a separate Um, podcast, maybe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people have have reached out and, uh, you know, want to hear our take. But, you know, as we've committed here uh, and given the the rise in cases, courtesy of the Delta variant, courtesy of 
people uh, unvaccinated, um, we are not going to be part of the problem. So uh, respectfully, we will wait until it is uh, safe uh, to be able to do that, whether it is in a theater or far more likely through Disney Plus Premier Access, and then we will bring that to you. And I would say, Pete, elsewhere in the MCU, um, increasingly kind of the people out there that write, you know, for the IGNs or the deadlines or whatever, um, there's kind of the increasing consensus, something we've been talking about since as soon as Hawkeye's release date was released, the increasing consensus that Ms. Marvel is probably a 2022 release at this point. Um, if I'm going to put on my studio chief hat or my CEO hat, the Marvel's, you know, uh, Captain uh, Marvel 2 uh, comes out next November. It is a bit more synergistic to be like, and the backstory of the third biggest star in the Marvels, Ms. Marvel, the backstory, it, it makes more sense in my mind, the back, for the backstory show on Disney Plus, Ms. Marvel, to happen, let's say, let's say spring 2022, as opposed to now and then you wait over a year to see her next appearance um you know if you look at for example the space between the end of wandavision and the next time we'll see wanda yeah that's about a year and that was with a whole bunch of moving parts covid and this and that the other so i think uh i think ms marvel 2022 yeah i think that seems to be the case at this point i i don't see a stealth announcement and we've done the math uh you know, if they're going to try to fit it in between what if and, and Hawkeye, um, I, I don't think it'll be a surprise situation. So, yeah, see you in 2022 for Ms. Marvel. With that, Pete, let's get to what will doubtless be a delightful recap. When we catch you up on what went down. Dr. Stephen Strange pulls up to pick up Dr. Christine Palmer on their way to his recognition for performing a radical hemispherectomy. On a darkened road, they get stuck behind a truck, and Strange pulls into the oncoming lane of traffic, which he eludes. But they are hit from behind and sent into the river where Christine is already dead. The Watcher explains in this universe, Strange didn't lose the use of his hands, but his sweetheart. He traveled across the world to learn the mystic arts from the Ancient One, Wong, and acquire the Eye of Agamotto. When the Ancient One was lost and the threat of Dormammu came, the Man of Science became the Sorcerer Supreme. But it was more than he bargained for as he could not let go of the past. On the two-year anniversary of Christine's death, Wong finds Strange drowning his star sorrows in sheep whiskey, holding the eye of Agamotto. Wong goes to make tea and suggests Strange join him before he does something reckless. But the temptation is too great, and Strange travels to the night of the accident. Though he doesn't try to pass the truck, they still get struck from behind, and Christine is taken from him again. He picks her up again, and they take a different route, but they're broadsided by a truck. Another time, Christine collapses on the dance floor. 
Still another, she meets her fate in a pizza parlor. Then the car blows a tire. He stands her up only to find out she dies in an apartment fire. He lets her drive, but the result remains the same. The Ancient One arrives at the side of the river, but no one can bring Christine back as her death is an absolute point in time, unchangeable, unmovable, for without it, he would never defeat Dormammu and become Sorcerer Supreme and Guardian of the Eye of Agamotto. If he erases her death, he never starts his journey. He just needs more power, but the Ancient One explains the greatest sorcerers of the past could not reverse an absolute point. She warns him in this reality. If he attempts it, she will be forced to stop him. He tries to time travel, but she blasts him, and he finds himself in a jungle of the past with a heterochromatic stranger as he searches for the lost library of Cagliostro. He is Obang, the librarian for the books of Cagliostro, who leads him to the lost books. He reads, he can gain the power he needs to break an absolute point by absorbing other beings. When he summons the tentacle beast, Captain Carter defeated, it does not go his way. Obang explains mystic beings do not bargain. So later, a goateed strange prepares to take their power. He starts small with a garden gnome, then a caped cockroach that he robs and sends away. A many-eyed blackbird, a dragon that might be from Shang-Chi, and gives him horns like Mephisto. A two-headed ram, a skull with antlers, what looks like a wyvern. The Watcher wonders if she, he should warn Strange or intervene, but the fate of his universe is not worth risking the safety of all others. And he doubts he'd listen. But Strange hears the Watcher. Then he absorbs more mystic beings over many years before bringing back the tentacled beast. As an old Obang lies in his bed. He implores Strange not to manipulate time for him after he chose to live for centuries. Obang tells him even in their world, death is part of the plan. But Strange still can't accept that. But maybe the other Strange will. He's only half a man living half a life. The Watcher reveals he wasn't the only Doctor Strange in this universe as he resisted the temptation to manipulate time to save Christine on the two-year anniversary of her death. But everything begins to ooze away, and this Strange is visited by a psychic impression of the late Ancient One sent through a splinter in reality, like an echo. She explains he's causing this. She drew upon the power of the dark dimension to split the timeline and him, allowing for two of his possible timelines to occur in one universe, resulting in his misguided twin. If he succeeds, the temporal paradox 
will destroy the universe. As Wong's time runs out, they cast the Guardian Vishanti heavy-duty protection spell, and he meets Doctor Strange Supreme. The difference is he had the courage, spending centuries sacrificing for Christine, but couldn't save her. Only they can once they become whole again. He tries to absorb him like the others, but the spell prevents it. They and their capes battle. Strange Supreme even tries to trick him by taking Christine's form. Strange Supreme finally lifts the Guardian Vishanti and reincorporates himself. He brings Christine back, but he terrifies her, and their reality contracts as the Watcher looks on. But if he won't fix it because he says he can't interfere before Christine vanishes again and Strange is trapped alone in the diamond-like prison, one life, one choice, one moment can destroy the entire universe. With that divergence alarm, we'll talk what changed and would we keep the changes. I guess we can work backwards, perhaps, Pete. We have wondered in other episodes, what what would it be like if the story continued? Might this be a character that appears in other what-if episodes and so forth? We get in 36 minutes here the genesis, life, and death of an entire universe and unambiguously the end of the story uh as well as uh, i think one could argue the the most sad marvel studios story ever one in which all hope is lost i mean it it is heartbreaking there's no bittersweet nature to what takes place the only thing i wonder is you know strange supreme is left alive we don't see him vanish he's entrapped uh the watcher is aware of this the watcher had an opportunity and chose not to um interact with this uh i don't know that we're done with dr strange supreme hmm that's interesting i kind of took the ending to be in the twilight zone fashion of endings in terms of um you know i think for example of like the ending of um uh i think the name of the episode is time enough at last you know that the guy who wants to read and at the end right. his glasses get smashed um there's no question that five or eight or ten or twelve days after that episode ends he's going to die because he can't see he can't find food you know and so on and so forth but you end in kind of the the moment of greatest tragedy there. I, my instinct is that's what we do here. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost inconsequential what happens to strange next. Uh, I, again, could you write? And then he did a multiverse spell. Um, you certainly could. I think that it would be contrary to the thrust of, to the thrust of this incredibly, sad story and this incredibly tragic end to just say and that's the end there is no more worth telling well i think 
within this episode with the reemergence, the reappearance of the tentacled beast that we had seen in the very first what if episode that we've opened a door for that, that now with all the permutations, the prism like nature that the watcher talks about of realities that they can overlap. I mean, even within this episode overlapping timelines of the same character. Yes. Reincorporated in that strange Supreme absorbs Dr. Stephen strange, but that they had diverged and come back. Um, we know there's going to be more captain Carter. I can only imagine that strange Supreme would be a fairly worthy adversary. We also have, uh, roughly at the midpoint in this episode, uh, I think it's Wong that says, uh, words to the effect of, you know, this is what happens when you mess with time and you mess with the way things are supposed to be. Uh, and it was only on second view that I was like, even if this is self-contained or even if these adventures remain only animated, fine. If, if Strange Supreme returns in another animated adventure, you know, so be it. We know that Doctor Strange is in um is in spider-man no way home we know that there's a multiverse of madness coming uh in the next doctor strange uh solo movie as solo as they are with all these people in them uh in march it felt like again to whatever degree that these animated what if episodes are going to be like no one is arguing that's not mcu and it's not canon and all of that but to whatever degree that they are really other universes and really not impacting the mcu nonetheless we have this episode giving warning hey doctor strange when you mess with time when you mess with how people have uh have experienced events because i i'm assuming that's the thrust of no way home it's not the change in time as much as it is changing everybody's memories but now their memories are impacting how they live because they haven't had a time to you know have, have interacted with peter parker spider-man and so forth it's like this early warning that there's trouble ahead yeah. And, you know, what did we all assume when, you know, Wanda, uh, you know, did what she did in WandaVision and, you know, you had Agatha and this idea of a multiverse and a Scarlet Witch. And then we've seen what uh, Loki and Sylvie have done uh, and that Doctor Strange would be upset. And we already know from the teaser for Spider-Man uh, No Way Home that he's warned not to screw with the multiverse and he does as well. Um, so really running contrary to what everybody thought. And again, that, you know, we're going to see all these different versions, different ways in which things might have, or might continue to unfold. Um, you know, it's since been posited that, that might not even be Doctor Strange in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, that it might be Mephisto. <laughs> uh, our, old, our old source of anything and everything. Um, I'm not sure how to... I guess I'm not sure how to respond to that as a theory. I think that the movie... Fine, this year, even amidst COVID troubles and whatnot, this year... Um, there's four Marvel movies next year, one, two, three, th next year there's four, um, 
on the one hand, as precious as the movies are in terms of, you know, it's been, you know, it's been um, so long since we've had a Spider-Man solo movie. It's been so long since we had a Doctor Strange solo movie and so forth. It's been so long since we had an origin movie like Shang-Chi. Um, there is also a certain disposability to them. However, it's not quite as disposable as this week's episode of whatever that Marvel Studios has made for Disney+. Plus. By which I mean to say, we had the one fake out already um, with Nick Fury and Talos and whatnot. And that worked. And that was fine. Are we going to do that again for the next Spider-Man movie um, with the male guiding figure? I kind of feel like been there, done that versus here's an alternate take. Doctor Strange shows up in the next Spider-Man movie. Then then the movie after that is the next Doctor Strange movie. We, though there's not Avengers 5 on the schedule, I mean, one gets the feeling that the next big thing, especially in, you know, through the lens of WandaVision and Loki in particular, um, and even to a certain degree, you know, what if and, and this week's what if specifically, the next big thing is the multiverse of madness whether it's, you know, whether it's going to be in that spirit of, you know, Captain America Civil War is Avengers 2.5. Like, you know, whether this is going to be an Avengers light movie or an Avengers full movie or whatever, the crisscross is just happening. And it's all, I think it's all a lot closer than we think. You know, 2012, the game changed with the team up movie. Okay. With that first Avengers movie. And then, you know, what, what's the effect the ripple effect everywhere share universes you know you get the origin movie and then you build to the team up movies oh ha 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 hey uh marvel you're you're gonna do it in six movies we're gonna do it in two movies and go to the team up movie but the brilliant thing that in the mummy we're gonna do it in that movie we're gonna we're, (laughs) we're we're gonna have you ever heard of the avengers initiative we're not gonna save that to the end we're gonna do that halfway through hey you ever hear of the dr jekyll mr hyde super group you know but but i digress Pete. sorry okay i mean what what marvel's been shrewd to do is then well we don't need to have in a full uh, it doesn't need to be an avengers movie to be an avengers movie you know captain america civil war is avengers two and a half okay and now that they can do these in all these other films. Um, and I think we're on the precipice of the, the next wrinkle in that, in that, all right, here, a multiverse alternate takes of how that might happen. I mean, Matt, that, that a captain Carter feature is even a discussion. Okay. Um, and, and what that could mean this as, you know, we're preparing for, uh, you know, whatever massive threat the Eternals sat out, uh, Thanos for, okay. And Kang the Conqueror coming and everything that's going on with that, um, you know, so opened up. And, you know, let, let's deal with the, the biggest source of conflict in this episode and perhaps rippling throughout this idea of an absolute point in time so that 
Christine Palmer had to die in this universe. And we look at the other episodes we've had to this point, you know, we can go in reverse order. Well, what had to happen? What was the absolute point in uh, episode 103 that the Avengers were going to team up in some way, shape or form? Okay. Uh, the, the second episode was, uh, which one Matt was, um, the, uh, the guardians of the galaxy, black Panther one. Okay. So somebody had to be abducted by Yondu. Okay. And then that first one that there had to be someone that would take the super serum. They are dealing with these fixed points. I think that becomes more of a thing going forward. I think it's a great observation, particularly, you know, rumors through the roof for Multiverse of Madness and, you know, fine, you got, uh, you got the Doc Ock on-screen confirmation, you got the, uh, the Green Goblin laugh there, um, quasi-confirmation, you know, still no, still nothing beyond rumor status for Tobey Maguire, for Andrew Garfield, you know, so on and so forth. My point being, there's so much in that, um in that movie that is chaotic i think from a if you rewind to uh kevin feige's favorite point in the movie making process which is that early pre-production stuff where you're you know they have this tradition where they rent a house in south eastern california somewhere um i don't remember the town some resort desert town and they they kick around ideas and whatnot you know to have something that's going to sl- slow down or funnel in a story sense funnel the endless possibilities in a multiverse of madness to make it absolute points then you sit and go great we're going to hereby declare such and such as an absolute point story ideas can coalesce around it we're going to declare another absolute point um you even have me wondering too pete i mean jeffrey wright picking up the animation uh paycheck doing a phenomenal job here in this episode and in all of them um this was the first episode of course where he's actually interacting with the story in a way that i thought was sublime and affecting and of course who else could see him other than dr strange do you think that jeffrey wright and whether it's live action or live action computer animated or whatever are we gonna see jeffrey wright in a marvel movie yes Wow. As the watcher? Yes. Wow. Good stuff. Um, I have to mention as well, really focusing solely on this episode for a second. Um, the music was phenomenal. I think the music had the 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 joyous burden, um, joyous in terms of being a creative endeavor, uh, burden in terms of it being a total downer for the entire episode, which itself is a downer. But, I mean, it's the music through its repetition at various points that where you're saying, Oh, this is a, this is a circle of fate here. This is a cyclical fate. Um, I have to admit, Pete, first I had to look up the name of, uh, Laura Karpman who wrote the music for this episode. Then I had to further, um, address my ignorance. I was not aware that Laura Karpman was writing the music for the entire series. Then I had to find out who the heck Laura Karpman was. Cause I said, this must be some up and comer here. Um, the opposite, Pete. Laura Cartman has been working in music um, in, 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 as a composer for quite some time. She is 62 years old, 
master's and doctorate from Juilliard, Emmy nominee, wow. Emmy winner. And she's somebody who has done stuff for TV and film, has done commissions for the Los Angeles Opera, the Czech Philharmonic. So really somebody who, like when we're done here, I'm going to search her up on Spotify and whether it's, you know, what if, yay, Captain America stuff or or whether it's whether it's her purely symphonic stuff. I mean, I don't know why Laura Cartman isn't a huge name in film and TV um, composition. Pete, it's Hollywood. And she's 62, so I suspect why she wasn't wasn't doing a lot of it for much of her life, it being, you know, it, it tending to be a boys club. But, I mean, her talent's so on display here, and, and, and the music, again, really, you know, music is usually looked at as the last chance in the creation of TV and film. It's the last chance to communicate what you are trying to communicate emotionally. And, I mean, boy, it just does it. It's got the littlest bit of hope. But it's got just this sad repetition and just this weight that tells you there's no happy way out. Both in terms of incorporating existing themes from Doctor Strange and then, you know, making this episode her own. Yeah, uh, total kudos here. Uh, What else is on your... Again, we don't call this theories because these episodes tend to... Large, they tend to be designed as self-contained whether we return to them or not but what else what else do you have to say about this just incredibly weighty 36 minutes of animation i mean the the takeaway too while the watcher did not interact here he will interact eventually um and you ask me you know jeffrey wright does he appear in films i don't know why you go and get a jeffrey wright if it's not with some larger plan remember uh, how we're dealing with the universe and this though animated, you know, mattering on the, uh, you know, universe as a whole. So, uh, fully expect at some point that he's going to interact and to what level this directly connects as opposed to, uh, complements, Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness. Pete will check some messages from the multiverse, taking a look at our poll on Twitter. The choices were one rabbit, meh, got 0%. Uh, two rabbits, mildly moving, got 16.7%. Three rabbits, do you get a Pete? It's like the magic rabbit, right? Hopefully that was clear to you and everybody three rabbits my such fun got 14.3 percent uh and then four rabbits magical marvel got uh, 69 percent pete i know how i would have voted this was a four out of four this is this ranks very very highly on my list of mcu stories absolutely i mean i've been a little disappointed that people have pointed back to the first episode to the captain Carter episode and been like, Oh, that's the worst one. I mean, that's, that's my new red flag is for people to say that that is the least fun. Uh, what if, um, and completely different type of episode here, but you know, really, really at the high end. Uh, we heard from James the Sagacious, is that Big Killing on Twitter. I confess to not really being into the story. The highlights for me were Strange's awareness of the Watcher and Wong's demeanor. Fan reactions seem to be all over the place. Hope you do a season wrap poll for favorite episode. Uh, Pete, uh, make a note. 
that's a great idea. Uh, maybe that's one that we do in Google Forms or something, so it's a bit easier, you know, because Twitter only lets you do a top four and whatnot. But uh, great, great idea there from James. Uh, we heard also from Andre Yeager. It's at Dr. Polo 1983. This one was just okay. I guess I got used to big shakeups in the MCU based on these changes. This was very self-contained. Uh, didn't need to uh, see him try and save her so many times. Reminded me of the Time Machine movie. Some things are destined to happen. Uh, Pete, Andre, very wise there. I know that they referred to the Time Machine uh, in their thought process as they were putting the episode together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you kind of had to have that trope of, all right, let's let's drill down that he can't change this and see the, the different ways. All right, he's going to let her drive. They're not going to go to the thing. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Mugger is going to kill her when when they don't go, you know, just to see the different ways to underscore. I mean, what was that, like a two-minute sequence? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so really important to to need to know that it was this absolute point, which, again, I think this episode is setting out throughout its uh, universe. I'll add too. you know, we've discussed in past episodes the animation style and kind of the very the very um, human or, or I guess what's the best way to put this, the, the, the realistic look to the characters I think that in that sequence of the deaths, the 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 close look to, I, I think of some of the car crash scenes and whatnot, obviously none of it was over the top or gratuitous, but there was a humanity to those bodies that was different mm-hmm. than like the Angry Birds movie where we launch a thing and, it, you know, yeah. like it, it was not cartoony. Um, and what they don't show you that we see the car crash and then, you know, the camera via animation is you know, positioned through the back window and we see a head and uh, we know from Strange's reaction that she's dead. Um, You know, to be discreet about it, something that's not as frequently done in animation. I think, too, some of the some of the more mystical elements, you know, the energy blasts and Kirby crackle and things like that. I think that this was the best animated episode and they were using they were using the kind of stiffer, more realistic stuff on the human end when that was called for. And they were using some of the, um, you know, again, some of these energy blasts and the tentacles and things like that, that I think were, were especially well animated. But back to these comments here, Pete, uh, we heard from What Of It, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1, uh, who says that, well, this was awesome. Uh, I'm a huge fan of alternate timeline stories, and this has been the best of the series, in my opinion. The change wasn't minor, but it raises the stakes through the roof. Uh, very cool to have so many of the original voice cast uh, doing the voices, and the animation continues to be fantastic. It really shows off uh, the magic in some beautiful ways. Uh, Pete, I swear I was not cribbing from uh, from this this person here on Twitter. I, I don't look ahead. I I'd want to talk about the animation now. They're talking about the animation. Um, they go on to say, uh, it's uh, it's a nice uh, Doctor Strange fix until No Way Home comes out. Loves pretty much everything about it. Can't wait for more. Um, I'll bounce off that and say, Pete, I would not have thought, back when you and I saw Doctor Strange in theaters, uh, I would not have thought that <laughs> that this would be the second time that we had Rachel McAdams' uh, Christine Palmer all these years later and in animated form. 
Yeah, I would definitely have been a surprise to hear that. I mean, we're getting her back for the sequel, so you can imagine around which they might have, you know, recorded her audio, um, but definitely excited to see where that picks up as well. We heard from Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. Tag line for this episode, the one where Strange pulled an Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jackie's not wrong. Uh, we heard from AMC. That's Ann Coltonem. Uh, loved how this What If episode showed a darker side to our hero and how grief can darken one's good intentions. It really hit home. You can't change fate. The Watcher revealing himself to Doctor Strange at the end of the episode was brilliant. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Um. We heard from Jared Showerman, that's uh, the, uh, pardon me, at the AV Seal, S-E-A-L. This is the What If episode I was waiting for, finally. Everything I wanted from this series. Uh, we heard from our captain, Noel Gardner, it's at Noel Camille. This, uh, this episode was way darker than I expected. Christine dying no matter what the circumstances was excruciating. His absolute, absolute point, a new term for the MCU more than uh, the first three, this one felt like a prelude to upcoming films. Visually, it was stunning. Um, Pete, I'll send that question to you. I believe absolute point is a new term, but I'll, I'll let you yes. serve as final watcher judgment. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of repeat what Noel is saying here. What a notion. Fine. Absolute point. Oh, it's some sci-fi comic book mumbo jumbo. This notion that she has to die christine has to die just because and then you say okay if we kind of pull back from the world of tv and film and comic books you say okay it's a little bit of a thing to have us explore grief okay meanwhile we know that there's a complete other universe where that's not an absolute point and that almost makes this episode more sad that like it's just the nature of their universe there's a thousand other multiverses though so what what remains absolute between those two things strange has to lose something in order to become dr strange um you know sorcerer supreme um usually centered around this car crash uh so i think what the multiverse of madness will you know really establish okay they're always had to be an Iron Man or, you know, whether they're going to mess around. It, it's increasingly believed Haley Atwell will appear in that film. So do you mess around with that, with uh, Steve, with, you know, Captain America, with Captain Carter, et cetera, et cetera. And does it become more clear or are they even firmly identified? These are absolute points. I don't know, like Infinity Stones. I'll, I'll add as well as a bit of a tangent. Um, I don't know who came up with the title of this episode. I mean, I'll, I'll credit writer AC Bradley. Although if we learned anything from the WandaVision experience where it's like writing assistants who don't get credits on the episode came up with some of the twists like the heart and Mrs. Heart and the heart of the, like stuff like that where you go. Was the greatest oh. line in the show? Yeah. Like, like, and I'm not here to say, oh, the wrong people got writing credit for WandaVision or whatever. You know, sometimes a good idea is put out there by whomever. Uh, the, the number two special effects guy came up with the Genesis device for Star Trek II. You know, and that ends up being what the movie's about in, in, in large sense. You know, But I digress. Just this title here. When I clicked on it on Wednesday, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? 
I immediately was like, okay, cool. Doctor Strange is going to have an Iron Man thing. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and, 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 and I, again, I'm not trying to say like, oh man, AC Bradley is this genius who's talked, you know, instead of a, the heart, the muscle, talked about the heart as an emotional thing. I mean, it, on the one hand, it's no great feat. On the flip side, how many people clicked on this episode waiting for Doc, Dr. Strange Iron Man? And then instead, really quickly, you go, no, he's going to have his heart broken. And you're going to spend part of the next half hour having a small part of your heart broken, too. I mean, it's just, it just adds, you know, again, it's a small trick. Anybody can do that trick in terms of writing. Heart meaning one thing versus the other. But, you know, sometimes those simple tricks are the ones that that land the best. Um yeah, Pete, speaking of heart, speaking of love, where we're landing, final tweet here from Mimi Andelman. That's at Mimi Andelman on Twitter. Loved it. So there you go. Full circle with the heart. <laughs> Pete, what do you have on your end? On the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Steve Adams writes in episode four of What If is more of what I was expecting to see from this show. So many of these alternate stories could end tragically that it simply must be addressed. I think it adds a sense of realism to the concept. This episode demonstrated that a man's greatest enemy is often himself. Being ruled by our passions often leads to grave mistakes and sometimes great harm. Very well done. In response to Matt's feedback on my post last week, I would thank him for reminding me of the circumstances that many of these animated shows are being finished under. Recording in a bedroom or closet is obviously not ideal, as the acoustics would be awful. Any slight difference in the sound of an actor's voice in the finished product may be the result of editing out the extra noise in the recording submitted by the actor. I had honestly not even thought to consider home recordings being done for this show and others. Thanks for the thought-provoking comments and bring on the next episode. As always, stay fantastic. And he spelled that with the PH. Keeping that in mind, Pete, let's just kind of take a tally. Here we are roughly halfway through the nine episodes. I know we have we still have zombies ahead. I'm looking at the list of cast members that are I think expected to appear um, whether, uh, whether it's zombie or not. I mean, Pete, any thoughts on where we're going to see, I'll just throw out, I'll randomly pick five of the names here. When are we, gonna, when's the zombie episode? When are we going to see vision? When are we going to see happy Hogan? When are we going to see party Thor? When are we going to see hope van Dyne, uh, Jane Foster and uh, Sharon Carter? I believe the party Thor episode is next week. Pete, if I was in charge of releasing these episodes, I would, I would, I'd do a light one after this. I would definitely not do, and the, thus then the zombies take over, and that universe is demolished as well. Um, to be to be honest, I have kind of lost track of what I know. I saw some Instagram post that you know weeks ago that said you know here's the prospective nine episode run and whatnot. I'm kind of glad I've lost track of that because, again, after the power of this week's episode, yeah, I'll take a lighter one next week for sure, but I don't know. I I, I like not knowing what I'm clicking on. And, uh, you know, again, to go back to the discussion about the title here, I might click on the title and be like, okay, it's Doctor Strange and Iron Man Heart, and even that might, uh, might subvert my expectations. 
Well, we will certainly find out in the coming weeks. And definitely thanks to the people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Indeed, Pete, keeping us listener supported uh, as we make our way through the multiverse week in, week out as we continue the podcast. Uh, Star Trek in its animated form as we get ready for Star Trek Day next week. Uh, those people going to patreon.com slash fantastic geek are the dilithium in our chambers or the watcher energy that keeps us watching. <laughs> that was a seamless transition, right? Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Just takes a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds. Leave us a review. Takes a little longer, but all are appreciated. Let's certainly keep the conversation uh, going. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,072 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Certainly those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed know that tomorrow we'll be talking Star Trek Lower Decks. Next weekend, more of the same. Uh, we almost certainly will be getting uh, What If Episode 105 out a little early, so keep an eye, uh, an eye out for that. Uh, but certainly if you're here just for the Marvel stuff, uh, we got What If uh, all the way clear until we're talking about Shang-Chi in October and hopefully Eternals in November and so forth. Uh, with that, though, Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners across the multiverse and give you the final word. There is a fine line between devotion and delusion. 